What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the morning hours of Wednesday, July 26, 2023. A little bit of a delay for today's episode compared to when I normally drop them overnight. But it's okay because we're not actually talking about last night's game. I didn't see it. <laughs> didn't watch any of it, actually. Uh, went to the Muni with my wife to see Little Shop of Horrors. It was a great show. If you live in the St. Louis area and spend every summer like I have in recent years and go, ooh, we really should go to the Muni this year, and then you kind of put it off and it doesn't happen, I recommend trying to get out there. There's still a couple more shows uh, playing at the Muni. Before the end of the summer, United States' largest outdoor theater, so you can't go wrong with that. We had a good time, but that means I did not see the Cardinals' 3-1 to loss to the D-backs. It sounded like the same old story, though. Steven Matz pitching well is nice to see, but Cardinals offense couldn't get it done. And hey, the bullpen blew another save. What do you know? But today we're going to talk about Jordan Hicks because I thought the news that came out about him on Tuesday afternoon was really interesting. Katie Wu with the report, which stated that the Cardinals and Jordan Hicks are exploring a multi-year contract extension, one that could be done within the next couple of days, according to Katie Wu Tuesday afternoon. Well, this is certainly interesting because he was the guy that I had said, if you're trading anyone over the next week, it's got to be Jordan Hicks. I understand the two starters, Montgomery and Flaherty, are also very likely to go, and there's good reason to have them go. But at least with those guys, you could squint and see a way to pick up a draft pick compensation through the qualifying offer system if you don't end up trading those guys, which again, no excuse not to trade those guys. They should not be Cardinals in a week. I'll be definitive about that. Unless you're signing those guys to extensions, which I didn't think an extension midway was a possibility for any of the three. But when you think about the way Jordan Hicks has talked about things, I think it makes a little more sense for him just because he said, you know, I want to be in St. Louis. I don't think I'll be anywhere else. Why would I be any? I mean, it really seemed that the trade conversations at the end of the last homestand, when he was sort of asked by reporters, hey, did you give any thought to the fact that this might be your last time pitching at Bush Stadium? And he said, no, not really. <laughs> like, I think he was genuine. And then maybe, though, that started to kind of get the ball rolling with his agent, and they might have had some conversations and said, hey, if I can get something done and get that, that money guaranteed, I don't need to go to free agency. Because if you think about it from the player's perspective, if he's got this expiring contract on a team that's not going anywhere in 2023, that team needs to trade him, which means he's on a new team for a couple of months, and then he's got to do it all over again in the offseason when he goes to free agency. Or if you like pitching where you're pitching and the, the team you're with is willing to give you money that changes your life and satisfies you and doesn't make you feel like, hey, maybe I'm missing out by not going to free agency – then there's no reason not to go ahead and get that done now from Jordan Hicks's perspective. I'm going to be clear about this. It all depends on the terms. The money in the years is the deciding factor in whether I think this ends up being a good thing or a bad thing for the St. Louis Cardinals. But I do tend to have the more negative viewpoint of it in my mind as I approach sort of analyzing this situation. Let me know below before I jump into it. I'll, I'll give this shout out. Comment below on the YouTube comment section what you think about the notion of the Cardinals extending Jordan Hicks because there have been a lot of fans and a lot of listeners who have made these comments in recent weeks like, hey, why would the Cardinals with the, you know, a team that has a bad bullpen, have, has pitching issues, 
why would the Cardinals want to trade their best reliever? Like Jordan Hicks has been their best reliever the past few months. doesn't make any sense. And I've always said, listen, it's the business side of it. This team is not going to be competitive in 2023. That There's no longer any designs on them making a run, which if they had a decent bullpen, wouldn't be the case. I saw Derek Gould put it up on Twitter this morning comparing the Cardinals to every other team in the NL Central. And if the Cardinals had the same number of blown saves as all those teams, instead of the whopping like 24 blown saves the Cardinals have or whatever the number is up to now, then they would be right in the mix in the NL Central. And in some cases, like the Cubs have only blown nine saves. They would be far away in first place in the division if they had a Cubs-level bullpen this year. So I totally understand the questions when I get them of why would the why are we talking about the Cardinals trading one of their best relievers? It's the business side of it for a team that's not competitive this year. You need to get what you can for Jordan Hicks because once he goes to free agency, anything can happen. 29 other teams can swoop in, offer a contract, have him pick one of those contracts instead of the one the Cardinals would offer, assuming the Cardinals want him back, and I think they do. These conversations this week would not be taking place with Jordan Hicks if they didn't have interest in bringing him back. But you might as well get something for him. And it's kind of a perfect storm right now. You're hearing reports. Jeff Passan put this in his recent article about how it's one executive, I believe anonymous executive, said this is the best seller's market at a trade deadline in my lifetime. Sellers can take advantage because there are teams with needs and a number of them trying to contend, and not many teams in a position to full-scale sell and have quality short-term assets to give up. The Cardinals are in an ideal position. If John Mozeliak bungles this deadline, I mean, that's on John Mozeliak. There's no way to lose at this point if you're the St. Louis Cardinals because it's setting up perfectly for them. They've got short-term assets who are valuable. They're commodities, according to other teams that are in the race. And the Cardinals have no reason to keep any of them. When you think of Montgomery, Flaherty, Hicks, and Chris Stratton, if you want to throw his name into it, but I don't know how much value he's bringing. And then we'll see on Paul DeYoung. Jeff Passan, in his article yesterday, seemed pretty sure, kind of grouping Paul DeYoung with the free agent-to-be starters, Montgomery and Flaherty, but then saying perhaps the Cardinals would trade Jordan Hicks. And that should have been the dead giveaway at that point that more news was about to emerge about this Hicks situation because... There's no reason to even equivocate at all on trading Jordan Hicks. Well, unless you're going to sign him. So let me know what you think in the YouTube comment section about the notion of the Cardinals exploring this extension with Jordan Hicks instead of trading him at what I consider to be the height of his value. That's kind of the problem I have with this and why I maybe would be taking a more cynical view of the Cardinals' exploration of this contract extension, but as I will continue to reiterate, it all depends on what the numbers are. And I'll on today's podcast, I'll paint a couple of different pictures for you and try to cover the basis on what we might see if we do see an extension. There's still the possibility that we don't even see one, right? Katie reported that it was, that you know, there's optimism a deal could be done in the next couple of days, but this is the trade deadline period, and that could just be some, some posturing by sources that are putting something out in the media to try and elicit one reaction or another by a third party. These things happen heading into the trade deadline. And so I don't think it's a guarantee that Jordan Hicks is extended, but I don't think Katie reports it unless she has a pretty good idea that it's there's momentum toward that. 
but drop your comment below. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel if you like daily Cardinals content. We do St. Louis Cardinals content on this channel every single day, except when we don't. But no, during the season, I mean, it's pretty well every single day. Free to subscribe, click the button, click like on this video, and uh, if you want to make sure you don't ever miss a full B-Shape Daily podcast, because I do sometimes edit them down for the YouTube channel, if you want the entire podcast with the little music at the beginning and all that good stuff, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to Be Shaved Daily in those locations. But let's talk about this Jordan Hicks thing. Let me begin with like where my cynicism comes from a little bit on the idea that the Cardinals would be exploring this at this time. Jordan Hicks has a 3.67 ERA this year, which is the best he's done since COVID was a thing. Like his last two years, 5-4 ERA, 4.84 ERA, partial season in 2021, it's dealt with injuries, was injured in 2019, sat out 2020, even though he probably health-wise could have made it back. But remember, uh, with his diabetes situation, there was a lot of uncertainty about COVID, and he opted out um, but did not lose a year of service time, which is why he's still in this situation, becoming a free agent after 2023 even though he's only really pitched in five MLB seasons. Like, it snuck up quick with Jordan Hicks, but it's because he joined the Cardinals at the big league level at such a young age. I think he was 21 years old. He doesn't turn 27 until September of this year. Definitely a pretty young age to see a guy go to free agency. But with Hicks, like I said, 3.670, all right, that's pretty good. It's not out of this world, though. However when you consider how bad he was at the beginning of the season, it shows really the run that he's on is pretty impressive. Like his ERA on April 19th after nine games, I'm cherry picking here, but it was 9.39. It was 10.80 on April 18th. And then he went on a little bit of a run of good outings. Then coughed up on May 5th, a few runs, had an ERA of 7.6. And from there, it was better. So let's use arbitrary endpoints and mark it right after that May 5th outing against Detroit. Ever since then, ever since May 6th, you know, the day after a bad outing, he's got a 1.88 ERA and a 1.96 fielding independent pitching, a 1.96 FIP, an opponent batting average of 210 in 28 and two-thirds innings. He has been splendid with 37 strikeouts in that span and only 10 walks in that span over 28 innings, which 10 walks still may be a little bit high. He's not completely rid of some of the bases on balls concerns that he's had. But at the beginning of the year, it was like every first batter he faced in the beginning of an appearance was either a walk or a hit. And it really cost him. It was the reason his ERA was ballooned so high. It's like his focus wasn't there. Remember, he was like not that far away from being designated for assignment, I don't think. There were conversations at that point in early May when they had to kind of go on the break where they said, hey, no more high leverage for Jordan Hicks for a while. It was getting to the point where they were, and I think that was even like mid-April when those conversations were happening. And then he just immediately started to turn it back on again and had maybe one blip on the radar thereafter. But it was definitely, like, if you remember the sentiment about Jordan Hicks at that time, a lot of Cardinals fans said, all right, enough already. Like, I get it, he throws 105, but if you can't command it, if you can't get guys out with it, 
I don't have any interest in it as a Cardinals fan. And there were people, people that whose opinions I really respect, they were saying things like, hey, they need to just get rid of this guy. If he's not willing to take an assignment to Memphis, which the Cardinals, I do believe he would have had to have approved because he had at least five years of service time. I don't think the Cardinals ever asked him to go to Memphis. And the reason for that is, and I'm not 100% on this, but I think the reason it never really came up was because they just didn't think it would be a conversation that would go well because then you would would kind of have to get into a trust factor. And we talked about this back then, but a trust factor of, okay, how long would he be down at Memphis working on things? And would he come right back up to make sure he still gets his full year of service time? Because if not, then you're jeopardizing his free agency. There would have had to have been a lot of trust between player and team at the time. And so that's why that route never really was explored. But Jordan Hicks luckily kind of had a talking to, you know, he said some different coaches talked to him and kind of redirected his path, and he immediately showed results from that. And so no concern any longer. But, like, that was part of the 2023 season for Hicks. It wasn't like we're talking about past years he's really been inconsistent and had struggled, and so it's risky to give a guy an extension because, well, that one year, a couple years ago, he really had a hard time and what if that happens again in a future season during this extension? That's We're not even talking about it in those terms. We're saying literally this year, the year in which he's being celebrated as a really quality closer, and he has been, but it wasn't that long ago, just a few months in this same calendar year, that Jordan Hicks was borderline unusable in baseball games as a pitcher. And if you think I'm crazy because you're looking at the numbers and saying, hey, 3.67, great ERA. Go back to April, look at the game logs, look at the box scores, put yourself back into that mind frame because it was bad. Every time he came into a game, you pretty much knew they were giving up runs. Tons of walks, just tons of inconsistency. That was this season. So for the Cardinals to a few months after that, that was mid-April, now we're late July, for the Cardinals to be going in on a contract extension with this player, I think there is absolutely some risk baked into that. But we don't even have to harp on it with Jordan Hicks and be specific to his situation, even though I think there's some merit to doing so. But I just want to talk about relief pitchers in general. They are fickle. They do not year to year have consistency over a large sample size. That's all relief pitchers. Giovanni Gallegos has had years where he's been nails. This year he's had some real struggles for the Cardinals. I mean, I could give you numerous examples not just from the Cardinals, but across the game, generally it is a risky proposition to give multi-year extensions to relief pitchers and to do it especially when the guy is on top of the world. Jordan Hicks is never going to have more value than he has right now at this moment in terms of on-field performance. How could he get any better when he's pitching like, over the last couple months, he's pitching like 2022 Ryan Helsley, right? Helsley had like a 1.8 ERA or something last season. And that's where Jordan Hicks is ever since early May, ever since his last uh, little little blip. Jordan Hicks has a 1.8 ERA. So his value is never going to be any more substantial than it is right now. And actually, I need to correct myself. Ryan Helsley was ridiculous last year. He had a 1.25 ERA. I thought it was about 1.8. Helsley was insane last season. But Hicks still very, very good right now and. The Cardinals are getting into the middle of a contract conversation with him when he is pitching as good as he's ever pitched, and you can almost guarantee that over the life of his contract, 
whatever it ends up being, he will not pitch as well as he's pitched in the lead-up to him signing it if he, in fact, signs it later this week. It's almost impossible for him to have the ability to maintain this 1.8 ERA that he's getting the benefit of as he signs the contract and to do that for two years, three years, four years, whatever a contract ends up being. Like, the likelihood is minuscule and not because of Jordan Hicks specifically, just because he's a reliever and relievers tend to fluctuate year over year. Look at Helsley as an example. 1.25 ERA last year, still a good pitcher this year with a 3.24 ERA, but guess what? He is injured. Relief pitchers also, especially the ones that throw 100, tend to deal with those things. In fact, Jordan Hicks is one such player who has dealt with a ton of injuries, arm injuries, different things over the years that would lead you to go, maybe a multi-year commitment has some risk baked into it. Every single sign is pointing to it being risky to do it. Not to mention the opportunity cost. What do I mean by opportunity cost? There is an opportunity cost to signing him instead of trading him because you lose the opportunity to float him out there to every MLB contender at the trade deadline and say, this guy in the back end of your bullpen changes the look of your team and potentially helps you to a World Series championship. What will you give us for the rights to use this guy in that role on your team for the next couple of months and into October as well? And I think the answer would end up being pretty good player, probably a pitcher, probably a reliever that you have team control over for multiple years instead of just two months. Probably a guy that you don't have to pay high dollar salaries to as early in the process as you would Jordan Hicks if you want to keep him in the role. Is he going to be as good as Jordan Hicks? Maybe not. But this is a business proposition, and the Cardinals have to remake their entire bullpen. So if you can get somebody who's almost as good as Jordan Hicks, but not quite, or somebody who we don't really know yet what he is, but he projects to have a a similar makeup as Jordan Hicks, guy that can throw hard, maybe he's got a good secondary pitch, maybe you can trade for a reliever that can mix into your bullpen for the next few years. That would be beneficial. Maybe you're trading for a pitching prospect that could actually end up being part of your starting rotation. Maybe you're packaging Jordan Hicks with one of your starting pitchers to get an even more bona fide young pitcher that you feel pretty good about him being a, a number three or so, maybe number two, if he's got that kind of upside for the coming years in your rotation. Even if it's not until the beginning of next year that you feel good about that with this hypothetical pitching prospect because he's not quite ready yet to join your rotation, that'd be okay. But there is value to Jordan Hicks, and for a team that needs to remake their pitching and spend a lot of money in the offseason doing it, this would be a way to add pitching without having to allocate financial resources because you can use the value of Jordan Hicks to add to your pitching staff for 2024 on a guy that's going to make the MLB minimum salary, and then you can spend whatever money you're going to spend on a Jordan Hicks contract and sign players in free agency to continue the process of bolstering that, whether it's the bullpen or the rotation or however you allocate that money. It's a business proposition. It's an opportunity cost equation. Signing Jordan Hicks to an extension from a business standpoint is almost guaranteed to be, if not a bad move, a move that leaves opportunity on the table to have used those resources differently, to have allocated the various assets at your disposal in a more effective manner. Because again, this is a trade deadline where people are clamoring, saying the sellers are going to be in a great situation and you're voluntarily taking a guy off the table. From a business standpoint, 
And that's not the only standpoint, but it's the one that we're looking at first. I think that is questionable, especially when you bake in the, the risk of the player that you have now not being the same guy performance-wise in 2024, 2025, 2026, however long this contract extension would be for. So there are numerous risks, I think. But let's give Jordan Hicks some credit and talk about some other aspects of this. Why would the Cardinals, and maybe we're giving the Cardinals credit too, because we're going to provide a couple different hypotheticals on contracts that would make sense for the Cardinals to at least explore. I think bottom line, trading him is the best option. Because even if you really wanted to sign him back, you could pick up a pitching prospect for him and then tell him, we're going to make a run at you in the offseason. We understand that you'll then have the opportunity for 29 other teams to sign you. And we understand that you have expressed the human side of this equation, that you want to be in St. Louis and it would be better for your life if we didn't completely uproot you. Like These guys are real people. These are not baseball-playing robots. And so from the human perspective, Jordan Hicks would like to stay in St. Louis, would like to not have to deal with the ramifications of moving cities and being in a place for just a few months without really having a home because you're not going to buy a house or, or you know maybe you rent a place or whatever you do in your new city, but you're going to be gone from there in three months because you're going to sign with a new team in November. So then you have to do that process all over again. Like the human side of baseball, when these transactions go down, it is grueling. I can only imagine. They make great money to get to do what they do, but it, there are still day-to-day aspects of this that are not. I would not envy having to, to deal with those situations and all the elements that go into it. So for Jordan Hicks, maybe the simplest thing is, I like St. Louis. I've only ever pitched here. I'd like to stay. What contract allows me to do that? And I, I'll forego free agency, even if it means leaving a little money on the table. If that's the mindset, the Cardinals, I'm not going to say can take advantage of that, but they can work with that. That's the scenario under which it makes sense, perhaps, to still explore this contract extension, even though I maintain that unless Moselak just, again, in a seller's market, can't figure out how to market and advertise arguably the best closer on the market to these contending teams in order to find a really good prospect in return, I, I it's, it's already made for you. He's been that guy for months now, and teams can see that. They probably should keep him in the ninth inning so that he maintains that same level of focus and attention to his, his craft that he has in the past couple of months. But Jordan Hicks would be a value to these teams down the stretch. John Moselak should have no problem getting a good prospect for Jordan Hicks or packaging Hicks with somebody else and getting a really nice player. But if the environment for a new contract with Hicks ends up being really team-friendly because he has this desire not to go through this free agency process, not to be traded at this week's deadline because he knows that if I'm not extended here, they probably do have a reason to go ahead and trade me because there's no guarantee that they'll have me next year. It's just something that makes sense from a business standpoint. So the player then maybe understands if I don't get something hammered out here and my agent doesn't get this worked out, that could be the thing that leads to me being traded. And if I don't want to be traded, then maybe I am more willing to say, hey, I'm signing a contract. We just have to work out dollars and cents. If that's the case, the Cardinals could end up with a more team-friendly deal relative to what Jordan Hicks might be able to command on the open market. And if that's the universe they're living in and they want to bank on Jordan Hicks continuing to be the guy that he's been since mid-May and then staying that guy for 2024, 2025, 2026, however long the contract goes, then you could squint and see the benefit of the Cardinals doing that. I still would maintain it makes more sense to trade him 
and to go after him in the offseason if that's really what you want to do because then you still can recoup the pitching prospect. Maybe you have to spend a little more on him in terms of a salary because other teams are bidding against you in the offseason. And maybe you piss off Jordan Hicks because he says, no, I don't want to come back here if you guys are going to screw with my life and trade me. That's, you know, I want to come back here as of now because it's the simplest thing and I like St. Louis. But if you if you open up that Pandora's box, there's no guarantee that he would be coming back after being on a different team and then in the offseason signed back to St. Louis. I think there's a reason that in baseball, we don't often see that sort of thing taking place. I think the Yankees did it. Aroldis Chapman went to the Cubs at that trade deadline and won them a World Series, but then re-signed back with the Yankees the next offseason, I believe is what happened. But it's a rarity to see those things take place. So if the Cardinals have their mind made up that they want to keep Jordan Hicks, then this may be the best path toward doing that. And yes, for a team that needs to improve their bullpen next year, taking away the best piece from that bullpen as the starting point to those conversations is difficult because that's just all that much more you're going to have to do in free agency, in the offseason trade market to get the bullpen back up to par. It's well above, I guess I would say above par now, because in golf, below par is what you want. So it's it's bogey golf right now in the Cardinal bullpen. It's only going to get even worse if you take Hicks away from that. So it makes it a more difficult task to get it back to being a, a, a birdie type of bullpen or even an eagle bullpen if you want to continue to use the golf terminology. But let's paint the picture, the hypothetical that would allow for some forgiveness here for the Cardinals for not trading Jordan Hicks. I'll say this is the circumstance under which signing him instead would make sense. If Jordan Hicks prefers not to be traded, prefers not to have his life uprooted and therefore is willing to forego this free agency and work out a deal that makes some sense. Jordan Hicks this year is making like $1.83 million, not a huge salary. And it's the highest salary he's ever had in MLB because of different injuries, like his arbitration years were kind of wonky because of the COVID sit-out and things like that. $1.8 million is all he's making this year. So if you have a guy that's only made that, a raise to $4 million, $5 million would be a pretty nice hefty bump. Now his agent would say, look, you're going to be worth more than that on an average annual value in a free agent contract. But could I see a world in which Jordan Hicks in 2024 after extending with the Cardinals, is making four or five mil, which is which is low compared to what he would be on the open market, depending on how you structure the contract. But compared to what he's made so far, that's a huge bump. That's like four times his salary, three or four times, if it's four to six million, somewhere in that range. So let's say it's four million or 4.5 million for 2024. And then the next year is like 6.5 or 7 million. And you might say, well, he's not going to sign that contract. I'm painting a picture where I'm trying to give the Cardinals the benefit of the doubt to wonder why would you even be pursuing this in the first place instead of just trading the guy because the value is there because he's pitched as well as he ever has and that creates demand at the deadline. So I'm trying to paint the picture of it doesn't make sense to do this if the Cardinals are talking about two years and $25 million. Like, I don't think that makes any sense for the Cardinals to do because you're committing 10 to $12 million even on a short-term contract, just a couple of years of an extension, which I don't know what Hicks will want because he's a reliever, and a lot of times that means shorter extensions, but also he's 26, 27 years old, so kind of in the prime of his contract earning potential. 
you maybe would want as long of a contract as you can get. That's usually what it is for starting pitchers at that point in their careers, but we'll see. But I'm trying to paint a picture of, all right, let's pretend the Cardinals are only talking about this because they know they can get a decent deal. What would that deal look like? This is just speculative. I could be totally off base, but if you go 4.5 mil, 7 mil, 9 mil, 12 mil, add all that up real quick, that's like $31, $32 million over a four-year contract. And that still feels like a lot because in four years, you have no idea what version of Jordan Hicks you're going to have. And am I saying that because Jordan Hicks is a bad pitcher? No, I'm saying that because he is a relief pitcher. And that is the nature of the position. You don't hardly ever see guys consistent year to year for that long of a stretch as a reliever. It just doesn't happen. And so because of that, it would be risky for the Cardinals to do an extension as long as four or five years like you would probably do with a starting pitcher. Like Steven Matz's deal was four years, $44 million, $11 million a year, small escalators where I think he maybe made $10 million in the first year or something like that, and, and they bump it up toward the end of the contract. But it was relatively even across the board to come to that average annual value of around $11 million. For Hicks, I think it would be different. It would need to be different in order for it to make sense for the Cardinals to be doing this instead of trading him. So that's why I paint the picture of like maybe a modest raise for 2024 and then you continue to bump it up. And then by the end of the contract, you're making that type of money guaranteed. That's 10 to 12 million, which not too many relievers in baseball are making that kind of money, by the way. Only about a dozen of them in 2023 have at least a $10 million salary. Guys who are strictly relief pitchers. Does a couple months of great Jordan Hicks put him on that level? That could be. But that would be something that I think teams would need to decide in free agency. They would need to see him do it in August and September. And if he does it, he earns himself a really nice payday. If he doesn't, however, which is distinctly a possibility. I mean, again, it was just three months ago when he wasn't doing it back in April. So the idea that he could falter at the end of the year and cost himself a lot of money in potential earnings, I think is a really legitimate possibility. I think that's on the table. It always has to be with a relief pitcher. They're not guaranteed to be infallible the rest of their careers or even the rest of a given season, especially when it's a season during which he's already had significant struggles. He seems to have completely righted the ship and he looks like a different guy. But to maintain that is difficult, especially because relief pitchers, they only pitch like one inning per outing. And you're talking about needing to be perfect in that little inning. And if you're not, it's magnified. The failure is magnified because suddenly, instead of an ERA of 0.00 for your given day at work, that day your ERA is 9 or 18 or 27. It's magnified when you fail. So I don't think it's impossible that Jordan Hicks could have some struggles. Do I predict it? Not really. I have not seen anything in his game that tells me he's about to have a decline and a sharp one that would put him back on par with what he was doing in early April. But you have to know that it exists out there as a possibility. So for the Cardinals to sign him in July, you could even get to the end of this season and go, oh, that contract was a mistake because he could struggle in August and September. And you just kind of have that realization of, oh, he's not the guy that's going to have an, a, a 1.80 RA in a given season. He's going to have a 40 RA because he's going to have his moments where he slides out, but then he's going to have some moments where he backslides because he's a reliever and that's what they tend to do other than the really elite ones. 
So I think it would be a mistake for the Cardinals to go, well, he's been this guy, and he's looking like one of the best relievers in baseball for the last couple months. Guess we got to pay him that way. Even before he proves it over the course of one full season, we're going to have to give him that AAV, the average annual value of like 10 to $12 million over a two- or three-year contract. I don't think the leverage is there for Jordan Hicks's side to do that. I think if the Cardinals are exploring this contract, the reason they're doing it is because they know they've got some leverage. Because you're getting something out of this regardless. You're either getting a pitching prospect when you trade him, or you're getting the guarantee that Jordan Hicks is going to be the back end of your bullpen for the next few years, which when I say guarantee, that only is true from like a financial standpoint and like a business sense because he would be under contract and, and know that you can kind of slot him in there. There's nothing guaranteed, though, when it comes to relief pitching because the guy can get hurt, the guy's performance can decline, a number of things can happen to cause that money to look like some bad money, and it doesn't take long for it to be the case. It's a catch-22. You have to have a good bullpen, so you probably have to prioritize it in the way you approach signing guys in free agency or retaining your own talent that is quality talent. You have to do something to make sure you develop and establish a good bullpen. If you cheap out on it, you could end up having a bad bullpen like the Cardinals do this year. But I feel like the the Cardinals have been decent over the years, not this year, of identifying those kind of diamonds in the rough where they bring them in and they get productivity out of these players that they're not paying a ton to in the relief market. When they pay guys like Brett Cecil, I believe his was like four years, $28 million. When they pay guys, it doesn't end up going well. It's just lighting money on fire. Greg Holland was lighting money on fire. I think they gave him $14 million and he pitched for like three months. And he was terrible. Andrew Miller, they paid $11 million a year and he was serviceable, but they you're not paying that much money. You're not going to make a guy a $10 million a year reliever to be serviceable. That's just not... Again, there's only about a dozen relievers in MLB this year that are making that kind of money. If you're spending that kind of money, you need the production to be there. But production from relievers is a hard thing to guarantee, and so that's why it is a catch-22. You don't want to cheap out as a mindset, but you also recognize that when you spend big on relievers, it hasn't worked. What I would do is I would go quantity over quality but you have to identify the quality within the quantity. In the offseason, the Cardinals need to be signing a lot of guys to these one-year, $1.5 million deals, these two-year, $4 million deals. They need to be pursuing those types of contracts, but identifying the right players to give them to. And it's just been a colossal failure over the last 12 months. Think about all the guys that they brought into spring training. Wilking Rodriguez was the Rule 5 from the Yankees, injured. Uh, Guillermo Zuniga, Hasn't pitched well in Memphis. I don't even know if he's healthy right now. Andrew Suarez has been at Memphis all year until the Cardinals just called him up. He had a four ERA in Memphis. Jake Walsh has not made an appearance. Connor Thomas is not, I think he had some health issues, but has not made an appearance. All these guys that they thought would be their depth for their relief pitching core just have completely flamed out. It's across the board been bad. Even the young guys that you thought could take a step forward. Zach Thompson struggled. He's now back in Memphis. Like, they just have not been able to get that group figured out. But I don't think the answer is throw a bunch of money at it. I think the answer is be better at your jobs and identify the next go-around, the the bucket of relievers that you need to bring with you. You need to pack your luggage and put a bunch of merry band of misfit-type relievers in that bucket. And a couple of them in spring training 
you need to be right about and have those guys emerge, and now they're suddenly part of your bullpen. That's what happens. Like, until Shelby Miller got injured, he was like a staple in the Dodgers bullpen this year. Shelby Miller. Like, the, those guys exist out there that you can identify, and maybe it's a failed starter that finds something because he can focus on just two pitches, and now he's going to throw those two pitches, and there's something he can do to sequence them, and it, it just works. I don't know if the Cardinals have the, the coaching staff at this point to develop those types of reclamation projects. We used to see it all the time with Dave Duncan and starters. Cardinals would take a guy that just looked like mediocre and they'd put him in this system and he would have a career revival. The Cardinals need to start finding the way to do that with relievers. And in the modern age, it's betting on stuff. And I guess they did. You know, there are guys that had good stuff that they bet upon and they put their chips in on these guys. And for whatever reason, they were injured. They Maybe it's just bad luck that this last crop of relief pitching potential guys didn't pan out for the Cardinals. But they've got to do a better job of identifying and then kind of molding them to whether that's a, a pitching coach being able to say, hey, here's the thing that you need to do. We see this in your game. Our scouting program saw this in your game. And if you do this, if you throw your pitch like this, if you use the pitching lab that I don't even know if the pitching lab even exists yet. That's part of the thing where the Cardinals are just behind in some of this tech stuff, I think, and they're really trying to make strides to get up to speed. But based on the results on the field, I would say they're light years behind where teams like the Rays and the Dodgers and and some of these clubs have been in terms of being able to identify and maximize the value of some of these pitchers that it could be a reclamation project. Shelby Miller was the very definition of something like that had multiple years where he was just garbage. And then this year for the Dodgers had a 2.40 ERA until getting injured. The Cardinals have not been able to stock their bullpen with those types of guys. It should be the type of guy that when you sign him, when the news drops that the Cardinals signed so-and-so on November 18th, like who the hell is that minor league deal with an invite to major league camp? What's the point of that? Those are the diamonds in the rough that need to end up painting out more often for the Cardinals. If they're going to fix the bullpen, the answer is not to just spend a bunch of money on guys because that has a way of flaming out that's far more damaging to the makeup of your team and the payroll and everything like that. Like, you can afford to take a dozen of these guys and give them a million dollars each, and maybe for a lot of them, you don't even have to guarantee the contract because it's only applicable if he makes the major league roster. You can do that 12 times, and if three of them pan out, suddenly you have a much different-looking bullpen because you throw him with a couple of the holdovers that you had from last year, and... Maybe you sign one guy to a little bit more of a substantial contract or you trade for a guy that, because the Cardinals have these pitchers to trade and and it's conceivable they could get a decent reliever back, guy with some team control, and suddenly you build your bullpen that way. But with Jordan Hicks, it would be committing money to it. And I have basically made it a general rule of mine that I don't support that. doesn't matter the pitcher. I just don't generally think it's worth spending those types of resources on relief pitching. And so for me, if the Cardinals are doing this, which again, it's not a guarantee as of this recording that it happens. But if the Cardinals are going to do this, I think it needs to be the type of deal that I've laid out where the next year's contract is more like $4 million, somewhere in that range, and you escalate it from there, and the Cardinals get more team control, which gives you more opportunity to kind of work your way through the inevitable bad years because there are going to be some years where the guy has some arm injuries and has some issues. But it, it buys you on a decent AAV that doesn't break the bank. Some knowledge that Jordan Hicks will be on your team for the next few years. So I'm thinking 
in order to have this contract make sense, you're going to bake in a couple of years below market value at the beginning. And then maybe the last two years are closer to that eight to $12 million annual range, which leads to ultimately a contract that four years, 30 million with maybe an option team option for a fifth year at like 12 to 15 million. If he ends up being on top of the world, you end up saying, yeah, we take that as well. And if it doesn't go well, it it just kind of fades off into the ether. What do you think of that kind of contract? Because I'm trying to be realistic. It's just me speculating and guessing. I asked another reporter and he said, oh, I don't know, two years, 25 million, 12 and a half per. And I thought if that ends up being what it is, huge mistake for the Cardinals. But I don't know that that guess, that estimate is necessarily wrong. It could be exactly what they're looking to do. I would just say it's a bad move by the Cardinals if they're doing it that way. To volunteer to pay market value or even above market value, because again, if Hicks has a bad August and September, he's not making $12 million a year in free agency, even over a two-year contract. So we don't know what market value is until we get to the end of the year. And it's just a question of the risk associated with assuming the contract before forcing Hicks into that spot, which is a spot that maybe he doesn't want to be. A lot of guys relish the chance to go to free agency. It doesn't strike me that Hicks is one of those guys. I think he would like to have the security and to know that he's pitching in St. Louis. That's just kind of my read on the situation. Let me know what you think. Comment below with your comment on YouTube. But if it ends up being that kind of contract where it's a short-term deal, but the AAV is above $10 million, I think the Cardinals have wasted a massive opportunity cost here and have failed to get the value they could have for Jordan Hicks in a trade. But if you're doing a, a little bit of a longer contract where you kind of gradually work your way up to the more significant annual salaries, if it's a four-year deal and he doesn't make $10 million until year four, Maybe that ends up being something that I could see the Cardinals doing, but I could be barking up the wrong tree. That may not be on the table. That's the fun of this. We don't know until the contract numbers end up coming out, until we find out the terms. Will Jordan Hicks sign this extension with the Cardinals? Do you think it's a good idea to do it? And what contract would you like to see for him? Is there a number in your mind that you say, if it's a deal like this, it's worth it, but anything else, they need to be trading him and getting the value that they can for a volatile asset because that is what relief pitchers are in general. And I think in 2023, especially Jordan Hicks has demonstrated the volatility of his game. It can be really wonderful, but there can also be some lean times where he struggles out there. And so right now, could you be, if you sign him to an extension, passing on the opportunity to sell an asset at its highest potential value, which in business sense is exactly what you want to be doing all the time. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Make sure you guys are hitting that subscribe button and liking this video on YouTube. That is going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. I appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Be Safe Daily. Peace.